I married my childhood sweetheart, Calvin, at the ripe old age of 17. Now, I didn't have to get married, I wasn't pregnant, and my childhood dream had not been to grow up and get married and have kids. I really wanted to go to school, I wanted to become a journalist, but I was raised Mormon in a small Montana town, and I fell in love, and getting married was just kind of what you did. And we, we definitely had our good times in the marriage. We had two beautiful sons very early on in the marriage. But we also had some real bumps along the way. And we had a particularly large bump about year 15 of the marriage. <laughs> I met a woman named Vicki. And I fell in love with Vicki. And so much so that it propelled me out of the marriage and I left my family home. I asked Calvin for a separation. And I moved from the small town of Hardin to the metropolis of Billings. <laughs> <laughs> and that next year was one of the most exhilarating and excruciatingly painful years of my life. It was exhilarating because for the first time in my life, I was doing just exactly what I wanted to do and being true to me. And it was painful. I had a lot of rejection in my life. My family, Calvin's family, even some of my friends, coworkers. And the most painful part of that year is when my two sons, who were 12 and 13 at the time, refused to see me for several months. And then, to top it all off, Vicki, who had been in recovery for several years, relapsed. And you could say I was beginning to become undone. <laughs> and so Vicki and I decided that the best thing would be for she and I to end our relationship and she moved back to New Mexico to her hometown. And of course, once the evil lesbian was out of town, everybody thought I would just come on home. And I felt a couple of ways about that. On one hand, there was nothing I wanted more than to go home and be with my two sons. And at the same time, I also knew that all of those bumps along the road needed a lot of smoothing out, and that wasn't going to be easy. But something that one of my sons had said to me really helped me make the decision. He had said, you know, what I'm really angry at you for is that you didn't give Dad a second chance. And so I decided, okay, I, I'll go back. I'll give him a second chance. So I did. And we slapped a band-aid on those wounds and moved on along. Well, after a couple of years, Calvin and I were pretty much just really coexisting. And then my dad died at the age of 58. And it was a really hard time. And you know how death sometimes pulls you together and sometimes it pushes you apart? Well, my mom, she was still kind of pissed off at me about the whole lesbian escapade. <laughs> so. 
she didn't really pull me into the grieving process with her and my siblings. But Calvin, he was really there for me. He really stood up and he was there for me. And so for the first time I saw this glimmer of hope, like maybe this could really happen. And so I, but I knew that there was still some work to do here. So I decided that I would start the process with writing Calvin a letter. And the salutation of the letter was my gift of honesty to you. And I started the letter by talking about the things that I had first been attracted to Calvin when I was 15 years old. His, his laughter and his spirit. And I told him about how much I loved him. Because despite all of that, I really did love him. And then I talked about how I had lost pieces of myself in the relationship by trying to be perfect to keep the peace. And I shared an experience I had had about two months before my dad died. I was in my therapist's office. I did go to therapy. And she had asked me to draw a picture that of my relationship with Calvin. So I drew this picture. And what really stood out for me was that there were two sides of this picture. On one side of the picture was this really vibrant, alive, colorful me. And on the other side of the picture that represented my relationship with Calvin, there was a lot of red and black and really heaviness. And when I drew that picture, I recognized that if I couldn't bring me into that relationship with him, it was never going to work. But the most important part of that letter was that I said that I was finally ready to open the window of my heart and really let Calvin see me. And I ended the letter saying, I'm offering you the most precious gift I have. In fact, really the only gift I have, the gift of my real self. And I decided the perfect time to give Calvin the letter was going to be a couple days later. It was our 19th wedding anniversary, and we went away for the weekend. We went to this beautiful mountain resort, and we were sitting out on the patio with the river running by and the crickets chirping, having a fine bottle of Andre champagne. That's <laughs> <laughs> Montana, after all. <laughs> And so I decided, okay, I, I, this is the moment. And I hand him my letter, and he kind of hesitates to take it. And he, he has this mixture of kind of fear and surprise and anger in his eyes. And he does take the letter, and he just sets it aside. And I'm thinking at first, like, what? You're not going to open the letter? And then this other part of me is like, Okay, that was going to be an emotional conversation. That's okay. He didn't open the letter. He'll read it later when he's alone, and then we'll have the conversation. But I go home, and a week goes by, and nothing. And two weeks goes by, goes by, and nothing. And three weeks, and I'm back in my therapist's office. And I say to her, I can't believe it. He, he hasn't said anything to me about the letter, nothing. And then I declare, I'm done. I am done. And I meant it. But I don't tell him that. Because you might be noticing we have a bit of a communication problem here. <laughs> and about four months go by, and one night I come home, and Calvin meets me at the door, and he 
asks me for my hand, and he takes me into the living room, and the lights are low, and he has lit candles, and he asks me to dance. And he's playing a song by Roy Orbison called You Got It. Every time I look into your eyes, I drift away. I pray that you are here to stay. Anything you need, you got it. And so I'm dancing, and I'm kind of frozen, because I'm thinking, what the fuck is this about? <laughs> And there's a couple of problems. One, the window to my heart is kind of shut by then. Mm -hmm. And two, Calvin had unknowingly selected Vicky and my song. <laughs> well, a couple months later, Calvin and I finally decide that it's time to get a divorce. And then I finally ask him, why didn't you ever say anything to me about the letter? I, I poured my heart out in that letter. Why didn't you say something? And he said, I was so afraid of what might be in that letter that I just put it on the shelf unopened for four months. And that day I asked you to dance, that's the day I read the letter. Calvin and I were divorced two days after our 20th wedding anniversary. And I don't know what Calvin learned from the unopened letter, but I really learned a couple of things. First of all, don't ask permission of anyone to be your real self, because they might not be able to hear your request. And number two, it's okay to be afraid. God knows life is scary sometimes. But feel the fear and open the goddamn letter. <laughs> because just on the other side of that fear might be the thing you want the most. Mm -hmm. <laughs>